0: This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E.
1: TL Talk Radio Season 7, Episode 2. Welcome to Season 7, Episode 2 of TL Talk Radio. I'm Lynn Funy Hatton.
2: And I'm Randy Ziganfoos. Today we're speaking with Jethro Jones, 2017 NASSP Digital Principal of the Year, a former principal in Fairbanks, Alaska, and host of Transformative Principal, where he interviews principals, leaders, and influencers who help improve K 12 education throughout the world. Jethro is also the founder of SDL Academy, Transformative Mastermind, and Transformative Leadership Summit. Today, we're speaking with Jethro about his book, School X, How Principals Can Design a Transformative School Experience for Students, Teachers, Parents, and Themselves.
1: So welcome to the podcast, Jethro.
3: Thank you. I'm excited to be here and chatting with you.
1: Excellent. So let's get our conversation started today. Talk to us about a story. You know, what brought you to this work of transforming schools? And in your mind, what does a transformed school look like?
3: Well, I had a different school experience than I think many other people did. I went to five different elementary schools, three different high schools, and then I skipped seventh grade. And so I had a lot of exposure to a lot of different types of schools and the way things worked. And what I realized pretty early on was that school was a game and I just had to figure out how to play the game to win at it. And in high school, I got pretty bored with that and did pretty poorly and ended up graduating with like a 2.52 and barely making it into a college that I actually got rejected from first before they later rescinded that rejection and, and did accept me. And what, what brought me to the work of Transforming Schools was having that experience, seeing how schools were so different, and how none of them were really interested in meeting my own personal needs. And so then I became an educator and saw through the system that we weren't meeting the needs of many of our students um, in the system. The school is not designed to meet the needs of everybody. It's designed to get people through a system and get them to a certain level and then move them out and um, and I was really dissatisfied with that as a student and as a teacher and then as a school leader later. And so what does a transform school look like to me? It looks like a school that's designed around the students that are there, not designed around the preconceived notions or curriculum or decisions that have been made uh, decades ago to meet the needs of whoever is, uh, whoever's running the school.
2: Yeah, so that really re- resonates with us. This idea of um, the system conforming to the to the learners and the people within it, rather than the people conforming to this sort of century old system that, that just exactly. is so hard to change. So, in in your book, one of the things that I think really resonated with me was this idea of leader as designer, um, and we talk about that. A lot around here that, you know, leaders create the conditions and, and that, that word design really resonated with me. Um, so talk to us a little bit about that. How is, how is this a reframing of leadership and share some examples or, or a couple examples of how in your own practice, you were a, you were a leader who was a designer.
3: Yeah. So I, I see a, a designer as different than a manager, which is basically, you're just putting out fires, making sure things don't break, which is what a lot of Um, principals see themselves as, is I'm just here, you know, I had one principal tell me, uh, you know, I serve at the will of the school board. This is not my school. And I'm just here to make sure that nothing breaks. And while that is a perfectly, I know, a perfectly uh, valid way for that person to think, I just could not get behind that idea. Um, We're not there to just make sure things don't break anytime that we're not designing for the students that are in front of us, we're missing someone. And so uh, when that principal told me that, I, I thought, man, that is, that's a pretty low expectation of yourself and what you can do. A leader is someone who, you know, establishes a vision and leads people to that and has a mission that's bigger than just, um, you know, fulfilling, not breaking anything. Um, But a designer is somebody who transforms the school to make it, specifically work for their stakeholders that are there in front of them at that moment, which by necessity means that your school is going to look different from year to year. And it kind of has to because you have different kids in front of you each year. And if if you're not willing to do that or not able to do that, I think that it's going to be pretty tough for that to happen. So a couple of examples. Um, the first school where I was, where I was principal was an elementary school title one and I was very much in the mode of being a manager. I made sure that kids were getting class on time, that discipline was being followed, and I was working myself to death because I was staying there for the after-school program, and I was not getting any fulfillment out of it. Um, And then when I went to my second school, where I was principal of middle school in in Kodiak, Alaska, um, I was able to start becoming more of a leader and become a designer. So what we saw was that our kids needed something a little bit different. So we created a, um, a, an, an advisory system. Uh, we called it tutorials, which was basically kids would choose every two weeks a different area to, to put their emphasis on learning. So you know, to, to make it easy for teachers, we wanted teachers basically to bring their hobbies in and share those with kids. And that was a really easy way to look at that. Um, because we wanted to expose kids to something more than just the academic profile that we had. And we were actually on track in that school to um, completely remove English from our course catalog and teach English through all the other courses. Because we saw that kids weren't doing great in in English because they were bored and they didn't like it. But they they loved communicating and they were good at writing and they were good at um, reading, but English just wasn't really doing it for them. So we were going to take that out um, and not have English at all as a course and use those teachers instead to be coaches to help other teachers bring language arts into their classroom. Um, And what was cool about that is that we saw a need for our kids to have uh, those language arts skills infused throughout everything else. Um, And so those two things really were us trying to design our school to meet the needs of the kids that were in front of us and also to meet the needs of the teachers, because that's another thing. We had teachers, our English department was so strong and was so good that they could be, they could magnify their influence by supporting other teachers instead of just working with kids directly, um, because that's where their skill set was. They were great coaches. They were great supporters for other teachers, and, um, and we wanted to set things up so that we were playing to everybody's strengths, the teachers and the students, and really serving our community well.
2: So I'm curious, Jethro, this you, saw, you said that you were a, a management kind of principal and then you've become this transformative principal. What was the thing that sort of made that click and switch? Was was there sort of an event or an experience or something that happened yeah. that got you to think, like, this managing stuff isn't isn't the right way to do it? Well, I
3: just hated my life. I mean, I I thought I was all excited to become a principal and then I was, and all I was doing was being a manager and I wasn't fulfilling that thing within me that, that made me want to be a principal in the first place. I wanted to be a principal to change kids' lives and I wasn't doing that. So I was frustrated that I wasn't getting the professional development that I felt I needed to become a leader. And so I started my podcast, Transformative Principal, and that's what made the change. I started interviewing other people and finding out what made them excited to be a principal. And that's where the change happened. And as I was interviewing people, I'm sure that you see the same thing. It's like you learn in dog years, because what I was doing is I was having these specific challenges and then I'd go find someone to help me do it better. <laughs> and, and so I got the shortcut and the secret to how to do it right um, from somebody who was doing really, really well at that. So for example, in my school, we were a PBIS school and I was trying to figure out how to do this behavior thing so that it wasn't sucking the life out of me. So I interviewed Chris Weger, who uh, is a principal in British Columbia, totally awesome principal. And he helped me see that it's not about the rewards, but it's about that intrinsic motivation that you have to get to. And once I saw that, then I changed my approach and I actually enjoyed discipline conversations at that point because they were about helping kids see their potential inside them and not about making sure they follow rules. I'm not a very good rule follower myself. So that was a really hard conversation to have with kids that you need to follow the rules. But then when I changed it because of his advice through my podcast, I started asking them what kind of person they wanted to become. And I realized that almost everybody wants to be a person of integrity that has an impact on other people. And so we'd start pushing that narrative with those students And I quickly learned that I didn't need to be a manager anymore. I needed to be a leader. And then as I continued doing this work uh, through the podcast and through leading my own schools, I learned that I really need to be a designer instead of a leader as well. And the designer brings in management and leadership and uh, puts that together to transform the school for the people that are in front of them.
1: So let's continue the conversation about the people in front of them and shift over a gear into sort of this big idea of relationships, and um, knowing that people are truly at the heart of designing transformation. So how do those relationships look different in a transform school?
3: Yeah, this I I think is really powerful because when you when you're a manager and you're just trying to like, you know deal with whatever's coming in front of you. You take, you know, the handbook when there's a kid who made a mistake and you say, okay, you did this. Let me look up. Okay. It says I need to give you detention for the first time, suspend you for two (laughs) days for the second time. Okay. Boom, done. And you can crank through your discipline really fast like that. When you're a designer, you actually look at the student who's sitting in front of you and I've, so there was this kid, great kid this very large, very loud African-American student at my school. And no matter what happened, this kid got blamed for everything. Why? Cause he was bigger than everybody else and he was louder. If there was any kind of commotion, this kid was always at the center of it. And if I followed the handbook, then I would have suspended that kid numerous times and he would have eventually fallen into the recommendation for expulsion. That's not what this kid needed though. What he needed, was for somebody to help him learn how to interact in that kind of a situation. And, you know, this brings up the idea that because of his dark skin color, because of his loudness, he was easily targeted by the adults, not because they were bad or racist or anything like that, but just because he stood out from everybody else. And so it really enforced that idea of, you know, systemic racism that he got blamed for a lot of things. And I didn't think that was right. So I worked with this kid a lot should have suspended him according to the handbook, but according to being a designer, which is the stage I was at with him um, I wanted to see how we could make school better for him. So this kid all year long, always involved in something, always stirring up trouble, whatever, every single time I would talk to him and we would go back and forth and try to figure out how to help him make better choices. So he's not involved in those situations. And I'll never forget on the, the last Friday before the last week of school got out on a Wednesday that Friday, he got in a fight and he pushed somebody and we had on camera, we saw that he did it and it was a really easy open and shut. Let we can suspend this kid for the rest of the year. Definitely what should have happened. But I talked to him and what I heard this boy say to me was finally, after this whole entire year of talking with him and trying to figure out what's going on, he finally said, Mr. Jones, I was scared and I didn't know what to do. And for this tough kid to admit that after the whole entire year was a huge breakthrough. I could not in my heart suspend this kid, even though I know he did something wrong, but he was acting out of fear and wasn't sure what to do because this other kid pushed his friend first and he, he didn't know how to react. So I told him how to react all year long. Don't get me wrong. Like (laughs) he knew how to, how to react appropriately. But in the moment, he finally admitted that he was scared and didn't know what to do. And for this kid to admit that with the trauma that he experienced in his life, with the always getting in trouble that he experienced, that was a key where I know that he finally learned something that we've been trying all year long to teach him. And so it wasn't about the suspension. It was about him recognizing his control of himself in those moments. So we were able to have a conversation about what you do when you're scared how you can react and what you can do instead, which was the most productive conversation i had ever had with that student, even though I'd had a lot of other productive conversations leading up to that. But because I focused on him as a person and not on his actions, I was able to get to what was really bothering him, figure out how to help him and then provide support. Now, a year later, I saw him, he was in high school at that point. And, um, And because I had built that relationship with him, I, I had broken my foot. So I was on one of those little scooter things. I need to carry stuff into the school that he was, he was at. And I saw him walking into school three hours late. (laughs) And sure enough, once he got in, he was still in trouble with the system at school. But I said, Hey, can you give me a hand with this and help me carry this stuff in? And he was like, I'm so excited to see you. Of course, I'll help you. No problem at all. That relationship stayed intact even after I hadn't seen him for months and months. But what was amazing about that is once we went in, the uh, security officer met him at the door, said that he was supposed to be in in-school suspension that day and said that he was going to uh, give him a little breather um, because he helped me carry stuff in. And, you know, there's so much wrong with that whole situation. But what I know about that kid is he knows that I care about him as an individual, not, I don't care about his behavior, I don't care about his past. I care about him as a human being. And that's really at the heart of what I'm trying to help school leaders do uh, every single day.
2: That's a great story. I wonder, did you did you ever ha- have a chat with him or did he ever share with you, like, Mr. Jones, like, nobody's ever really treated me like that. You're a different kind of principal. Did he ever sort of open up and share that and have that conversation?
3: Yeah, throughout the year. He, he would say, well, aren't you going to suspend me? And I said, well, I, I can't suspend you until I know what's really going on. I need the whole picture. And he's like, what do you care about the whole picture? Nobody ever asked me about my side of the story. And I said, well, I, I want to understand. I don't think it's right to suspend you if you, know, if you have a, a different perspective of what happened or what led up to this. And he didn't trust me at first. It took him, you know, uh, my first interaction with him was on the very first day of school. And my, that big interaction at the end was on the sec like third to last day of school. And, you know, sometime around January, he said, why are you still talking to me about this? When you know that I've done this multiple times, I should just be suspended. And I said, you know, I think you probably want to be suspended because it's easier to get away from the problems that you're facing, but I want to help you become the kind of man that you want to be. And we had many of those conversations about who he wanted to be and what he wanted to do with his life. Um, and and he did occasionally hint at that he didn't ever come right out randy and say hey you're real different thanks for doing this but because he continued to talk to me i know that that's what he felt and when i saw him that day outside of his high school and his eyes lit up and he knew who i was and recognized me and wanted to know what happened to my foot and why i was on this little scooter thing and and wanted to help me i knew that he understood that i was treating him as a person first, and he appreciated that. Mm
1: -hmm. So I'm connecting to, um, you know, just having those experiences with learners and sort of when we show interest, they show interest. When we give respect, Mm -hmm. they give respect. And sometimes we do get caught up in rules and sort of the handbook (laughs) and Mm -hmm. the guidelines and, you know, what we are taught in college about being consistent. And that doesn't always work when you're looking to do what's best for each individual learner for sort of the long-term yeah. benefits.
3: Yeah, Lynn, I want to address that piece about consistency um, because at one time I, I was doing a training for my teachers and I looked up as any quotes I could find about consistency and I could find no quotes that supported the idea that consistency was meaningful except in that you write every day and that kind of consistency. And I, I was really fascinated by that. But then What I learned that the consistency we need is not consistency to a rule book or consistency to a standard or consistency to an evaluation model. What we need is consistency to putting people first and that consistency is what pays dividends and that consistency is what helps make the kind of school that we want. It helps people feel welcome and feel like they belong in that school. Mm
1: Yep, that makes total sense. All right, in uh, season seven here, we have some rapid response questions. So these are just very quick sort of sound bites for our (laughs) listeners. And then we'll give you an opportunity to share what's next for you. Are you ready?
3: I'm ready, let's do it.
1: (laughs) All right, who's one expert our listeners should connect with to learn more about school leadership or transformation?
3: Uh, I think it's your students. Talk to your students. Good answer. But they are the experts. Thank you. <laughs> they are the experts, but they just don't know it yet. And they may not be able to say, here's what you should do, but their responses can help you know what you should do.
1: All right. And if you were recommending one book to our listeners, what would it be?
3: So it's a book that I just learned about called The Courage to be Disliked. And it's about Adlerian psychology. And Adler was a, Alfred Adler was a contemporary of Freud and Jung. And much of our educational philosophy is taken from the works of Freud and Jung. In fact, I had a whole class in my educational leadership course on it called Jung and Education. Uh, But this Adler approach is much more in line with the idea of being a school designer. And it's pretty cool. I'll give you a little teaser. Uh, The first chapter talks about how trauma doesn't even exist.
1: (gasps) Oh. i sure our I'd... listeners, you can't see the you can't see the hand gestures of uh, Jethro blowing his <laughs> mind apart. So, all right, last question, rapid response: What online site, resource, or person do you learn from regularly?
3: Uh, Seth Godin's blog and Akimbo
2: podcast. I kept that one short for you.
1: <laughs> all right, we'll add those links to the show notes so that our listeners can go ahead and take a look at those.
2: All right. I'm going on Amazon and checking out the Courage to be Disliked. I like the title. It's kind of intriguing. It's good. All right. So to wrap this up, Jethro, what's next for you? What are you working on that you want to share with our listeners?
3: Um, So I am working on SDL Academy, uh, which is a new school that puts the ideas that I've been working on for years into practice. So I've talked about opening a new school for for years, Uh, tried it in Fairbanks, and then the school board said, we actually don't want a new school. Um, and so now I'm gonna I'm gonna put my efforts into that. So that's a SDL.academy.
2: Exciting.
1: Yeah, looking forward to learning more about that. All right, so as we wrap up here, uh, linked in the show notes, uh, we have put all those resources and websites, um, everything that Jethro has shared with us. Jethro, thank you for taking the time to join us today. We appreciate uh, your insights and thoughts um and sharing those ideas with our listeners
3: thank you i'm very happy to be here
1: so each episode we leave you with a question to think about with the idea of provoking reflection and conversation this episode's question what's the first or next step you will take to transform your leadership if you've enjoyed this episode would like to comment or check out the resources shared today visit the show notes at tltalkradio.org and look for season seven, episode two. That's all for this episode. We'll be back next week with another conversation featuring other innovative thought leaders. Thanks again, Jethro.
2: Bye-bye. Thank you.
3: Bye-bye. Bye-bye.